0: Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Solace, and with me is my very, very talented friend, who I would stomp grapes with any day of the week, the Mixtress DC Gina.
1: Hi, Louise. How are you? I'm good. Good. You know what I love when you say the Mixtress DC Gina? It always reminds me of my Instagram handle. I'm like, that's who I am. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just in case you don't know who you are. I mean, some days I'm not sure what's going on, but Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, so speaking of grapes, Gina, I'm sure you know um, that women have been growing grapes and making wine for centuries. But do you know who- Eons. Eons. There you go. I like eons. Centuries, eons. That's many, many centuries. Um, do you know who uh, Hannah Weinberger is? No. All right. Here we go. I'm gonna share just a little bit of Napa wine knowledge with you. The modern wine industry as we know it today in Napa began in about 1960, um, but really winemaking had been a big part of the economy there long before that, long before even prohibition, which brings me to good old Hannah. You see, Hannah earned the distinction of becoming California's first female winemaker. When, when you ask?
1: Well, when would that be? 1882. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Her husband dropped dead in the field. She had to take it over.
0: Oh, my God. Shut the hell up. You must have read my notes because, unfortunately, her husband was shot dead by a disgruntled employee. There you go. Remember, it was the wild, wild west. That's it. So she took the bull by the horns, if you will, and she took control of the winery. And in 1889, she actually she crossed the Atlantic Ocean to appear at the World's Fair in Paris um, as the only... California female vinter to win silver medal in the wine competition. That's pretty cool, huh? Wow. Yeah. And uh, she would continue to run the winery um, until Prohibition, of course, uh, forced closure in 1920. And unfortunately, she was kind of lost in time. It was almost 50 years later before she even rose to, to any kind of knowledge again that she kind of was lost to history for 50 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. that's pretty cool that is cool but i mean like that's did she became a bootlegger
1: and married kennedy <laughs> <laughs> and then that's where she went
0: i love how gina just makes up the rest of the history it's a better it made the story better obviously yeah and then she moved
1: to Maine. i mean <laughs> that, that makes
0: um so as part of women's history month march 25th did you know is national women in wine day Wait, what day? Yeah, March 25th is National Women in Wine Day. I and love that. It, yeah. So I did it's, not know that. Is that
1: new? I feel like that's fairly new.
0: I don't know. You'd have to check that one out. I'm not sure, but it celebrates uh women in wine across the globe past and present. And um so, like H- Hannah Weinberger, um I think today's designated drinker is going to have a lot to say about wine. I feel like the 25th is we party. Let's do it. And we're going to do it at um at our guest's house. She just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> Not even at a restaurant. We're going straight to her house. No, she's the co-founder of Go There Wines, which is bringing to market trailblazing wines made by women and other under, underrepresented winemakers from lesser known winemaking regions around the world. I think I need more wine because I had a hard time with that. So please welcome to to the show Rose Privet, and she'll fix all the things. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Rose. No, it's
2: (laughs) not your fault. There's a lot of alliteration in there. We made it as hard as possible um, to explain our mission. Uh, Hopefully, I will be able to say it all um, in an easy-to-understand way. Um, And I promise you, my bar at my restaurants is better than my bar at my house. So
1: you (laughs) do want to come to my restaurant.
2: (laughs) I don't know if you have that, Gina. I don't know. Like At home, I feel like I never make drinks because I make so many of them at my restaurant. Restaurants, but I do have many, many bottles of wine in my house. So we would be happy to have you over anytime.
1: I was just gonna say, let's just seek the cellar, and then we're good for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> actual
2: bar that was probably lacking, since I usually have my cocktails at the bar these there days. But yeah, oh, it's always nice to let someone else do it for you. Yeah, it's
1: like not cooking at home. You just like eat cereal. Like yeah, it's
2: cereal. chefs like eat ramen because it's like <laughs> no, I can't cook anymore. It's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. My, uh, I was really surprised. My ex brother-in-law was a chef. And I guess it's before I really, it was very young, didn't quite understand like the ways of chefs, <laughs> of chefery yet. Yeah, um, you know, and the all, chefery. Yeah, the chefery. All he ate like Velveeta craft macaroni and cheese and stuff like, and I was like, what? You can't really, cause he made, and of course he made this amazing macaroni and cheese, but
1: that's what he ate at home. I was like, that I don't even understand. But I mean, the last thing you want to fucking do is <laughs> do something else that's to do what you did all day. Yeah, that, imagine okay. you went home to start podcasting. You're like, hi, I'm hi Dave. It's really good to see you. Happy <laughs> for coming to dinner. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> boop, applause. I mean, seriously, exactly. no, exactly. It's like the last thing you want to do. Yeah, exactly. You want to like scrub off your makeup, dump. Room temperature white wine in a glass, put ice in it, and expensive wine too, not some yeah. shit wine. And you're like, never shit it. wine. And then if your friends are there, you're like, and what is your problem? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's a Montrachet. And yes, I just put my ice in it. Like, <laughs> and your point is,
0: I'm enjoying it. Shut the hell
2: up. So speaking of wine, tell us a little bit about uh, Go There Wines. Thank you for asking. It is, it's something different. I have sold a lot of wine in restaurants over the years. Um, and that is actually where, um, you know, Go There mission sort of was created, but to expand it, um, we started this company during COVID. My husband, our first venture together, which has been very interesting. We've Ooh. always been in very different industries. So trying to join forces has been its own journey and probably for another podcast. Yeah, that's <laughs> on, a lot of wine on a couch. a very different <laughs> subject, yeah. <laughs> Let's cover that one with our therapist in the room and all that stuff. But um, we're doing very well. And our good friend, actually, he's college roommate and the best man at our wedding, Chandler Arnold. The three of us started this company during. Um, during COVID. Um, we were, I, I live between LA and DC. And my husband and I were on a cross-country road trip. I will not forget it anytime soon because we were avoiding airplanes. And you could you could totally question me on whether driving across the country was safer than flying. But this was like the very early days. And like yeah. we were very scared of airplanes and like everything yeah. was bad. And we called Chandler. He and my husband both were deciding to leave 20 year careers with the same company that they had been with for many, many years. And a conversation ensued where we decided to do something to make the world a little bit better. Um, but that was also kind of fun and meaningful. And our three heads together kind of came up with the idea of go there, which is a direct to consumer, you know, retail wine company that's based in California. So all our wine is, is being stored there and is shipped from there. Um, you go online, you buy it, it's direct to your door Step in 48 states. There's a couple holdouts that yeah. won't let us do it. You know, and my whole family in Michigan just can't order it, which is really frustrating. Come on, Michigan, let's do yeah. better. <laughs> Tennessee. <laughs> They'll
1: They'll be, one. It
2: might be, can't be yeah, yeah, Michigan's yeah. the one that hits the most because I my, I have all my family's there and they cannot buy our wine, which is very frustrating. But otherwise, most states we can get to you. But the mission behind go there is it's really to have some social impact. Uh my husband and I lived in Russia from 2009 to 2012 That's in Moscow. Cool. Yeah, it was cool at the time. Cool and very, very cold. Yeah, all of the things you think Russia is. The greatest gift that Russia gave me was introducing me to the Republic of Georgia. And while we were there, Georgian wine was embargoed. So the Russians were punishing the Georgians at the time for a war they'd had a couple years earlier, and said, "Hey, we know you guys only make wine for us, but like, we're not going to buy it anymore to hurt you." Yeah. And I actually have a master's in public policy from way back in the day, and my brain that was like the bartender brain, but then the policy brain was like, "Wait." Wine is geopolitical. They didn't tell me this in school. You
0: know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, what? All things are. And my mind exploded.
2: And then I realized there's this big mean country like punishing this sweet little country by not importing their wine. So we had to go see what it was about. David and I fell in love with the people, the food, the hospitality, the wine, and like jerks, you know, who think we're well traveled and well educated. We had no idea at the time. This is 2009. That Georgia had been making wine for 8,000 years. We had no idea <laughs> that they've been doing this before the French before everybody else. We learned so much, and and more than anything, we learned the past passion, the true passion and absolute pride that the Georgians take in winemaking. So I kind of decided after all that that I couldn't get this wine while I was living in Russia. We had to carry it back with us for all our expat friends. That was kind of the rule. You went to Georgia you had to bring it back for everybody because we couldn't buy it there. And when I decided to open Compass Rose, my first restaurant in 2014, I sort of vowed that my Putin protest would be to sell as much Georgian wine as humanly possible. So (laughs) I got to know the Georgian community. they very big base in D.C. and they were like, yes, we get you're not Georgian, but we want to do everything possible to help you put us on the map. and so we have a long relationship with the georgian community and the embassy here in dc and we've sold a hell of a lot of georgian wine over the years but when i started to really get into it i realized this is not just a problem in georgia like this is a problem in lebanon where my family hails from this is a problem in bolivia this is a problem all over the world where people make amazing wine that nobody knows about it and it's ridiculous really because it's really high quality and just because of politics and geography and honestly a lot of rich white men if you really want to get into it that's why we don't have a lot of this wine from amazing women winemakers from like amazing you know marginalized communities, they just have no access to the US market. So and I am only speaking from the US perspective that sure. other parts of the world know this already, but we don't. And so I really wanted to do everything I could to change that and kind of break down this barrier to entry. And you can do it with your restaurants, but mine are small. They can only do so much. So yeah. Go There's intention really is to get this wine in the hands of people all over the country who might not have an edgy wine shop like we do here, or like you have in New York or LA, right? Now we can get wine to Nebraska or parts of Texas that like wouldn't be able to access it. Sure. And it's just that little bit by little bit that I think that education makes a big difference, but also we're making a very big difference in the lives of our winemakers. And that's truly why we do it every day.
0: So obviously you can introduce me to it at the restaurants. And I'm not saying this frivolously, I just want to be clear. So our listeners understand you actually could be a part of this movement as
2: well by ordering wine through you. Yes, we think truly by buying even a single bottle, you're becoming part of this movement because you are literally making a difference in the entire wine industry. And if we can just keep doing it more and more, you'll, you'll start to see the big difference. And I already have, even in eight years since starting the restaurant, um, so many more people know about Georgian wine. So many people have contacted me to say that because of learning about, you know, wine from different parts of the world. They've gone on trips they wouldn't have gone on otherwise. You know, really exciting things, um, but on the parts of our winemakers. So yes, if you go to go there, you'll see wines um, from four different countries. We have currently Lebanon on the roster, uh, Georgia, South Africa, and then, yes, America, but the yeah. central coast of California. And I can tell you a little bit about why California in this sense is a lesser known region. But everyone on that on, on our docket, I know personally, I visited them. They all have amazing histories um, of winemaking in their families or a desire to overcome a barrier like nandemiso in cape town where as a black woman she couldn't her family couldn't access wine making um the people in her township were only given cheap alcohol by the government just to kind of like get people drunk and you know throw them to the wayside and she really wanted to overcome that barrier she's a living breathing amazing inspiration in the wine world and we sell her wine we've gotten to know her and visit her in cape town so i truly know that you know by buying this wine who it's going to and how it's making a difference in their lives. Wine was that again? Which the South African. Yep. What's the name? The labels, we don't really have names. The, the a quote from each winemaker is on the bottle. So oh, it's that's co-branded. Cool. So the the label, they all have their own oh, wine. Oh, I maker. understand now.
1: Oh. It says join the club. All right. So I No, tell me. <laughs> so I'm on your website. So I'm going to I'm going to be the, I'm going to be your person. So you go to the website and you have like all these different little themes, right? Pinotage. It It says winemaking is freedom. So I love that. And They're then, just
2: the quotes. Yeah, so it's not like a name. No. You have the grape name, of yeah. course, and we, have, we give you, like, the percentages and everything like that of what grapes are in there. But really, for us, it was their words. So a quote from each of the winemakers is what's on the bottle.
0: Oh, that's interesting. That's really – set uh, the listener's expectations and understanding when they go there. H- how do I navigate the space and what am I looking for and
2: what I'm – that's how, great.
1: Yeah, so then they have, like, um, different, like um, – so you join – you can join a club.
2: Enjoy we it. just launched that for Christmas. That's awesome. But it goes on all year. You can join a wine club; we we'll send you wine quarterly. Um, Parties of the Purpose. Do you see that? Yep, I saw that. Different than the club. You can do it for a, a Christmas theme or a girls' night, night theme, theme thing, a book anything. club theme, yeah. anything that you want. Uh, we give you some fun materials, some background, on, more background on the winemakers, um, on the grapes, some add-ons to your party. But there's also a visual component. So if you go on there and you click on any of the winemaker stories, there's a 10-minute documentary everyone has a story. Everyone has a story and you'll meet all four winemakers and they're going to because that's who this is really about, right? Like, yeah. that's why we didn't even give it a name. Or like, we just want you to meet the winemakers. They're these inspirational people. You go on there visually. You can hear what they have to say. Or on each bottle, there's a QR code. And I know we're sick of QR codes. I no, know COVID no, didn't it's test. a new way of life. But now that we're so used to them, we know people actually yep. use them, right? Yep. So each wine has a one-minute video where you can go there. If you're, if you're indecisive and you don't know which one you want, you can go ahead and just listen to a one-minute video by one of the winemakers. And they'll tell you about their wine and who they are. And you can decide that way, too
1: Oh, that's so cool! I really think it's cool. I, I think this is awesome, actually. So basically, you cherry pick what you like, right? Let's be like, right, and then you're and you're supporting that winery, which is really. I'm sorry, I keep looking at this, and I realize you guys can't see what I'm actually doing. <laughs> no, so I'm scrolling. Right? I'm, I'm scrolling on the app on my phone, and I'm looking at it, and like what you can like how you um purchase and like what it is a bottle. Yeah, you do bottles, you can do a group of bottles. Yep.
2: You could just do one or multiple. Yeah,
1: but like it's fun. But like you know what's interesting is that also I'm sure that you guys curate it. It's not like you didn't taste it. It's not like you didn't do it. You have tasted all of
2: that. Yeah. Yes. So like And it, we tried to hit a profile for everybody, right? Yeah. So you've got a, a pet gnat, which was done by a Syrian refugee who's living in Lebanon. The only man who makes wine on our docket, by the way. Everyone else is women, um, but Abdullah is an amazing human being. So he he gets he gets allowed in for the girls. Um, <laughs> he's also going through an incredibly difficult time being away from his family because he can't make wine in Syria. So he's making it in Lebanon with a good friend of ours, Eddie yeah, a- Chami. Yeah. And so that's a, it's a beautiful pet nat. Um, we've got some indigenous Lebanese grapes in there. Yeah. Um, it says I will make wine great. in Syria again is the name of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that is his, awesome. that's what he wanted to tell the world. So we put it on there. Um, we have an amber wine from Georgia. We've got another, a white from Lebanon, um, made by a female winemaker. So we try to get a little, it's hard in your first year cause it's a small collection, sure. but we were trying to hit all your, all the profiles that we thought. Would yeah. make people happy. But we hope to grow every year. And I mean, one of the things that we do, and I know Gina, you probably know this, like when you do when you work with small distillers or winemakers, especially with grapes, if you don't have the income up, if you don't know how much any bottles you're gonna sell, you might not be able to plant grapes for the next year, right? Wine's always yeah. like a year ahead. So one of the things that Go There does is by guaranteeing the sale up front, they can get even innovative, buying Gavanza from Georgia, they're sisters. They're the coolest people that you would love to have a glass of wine, with. I they were here right now they're so much fun they learned winemaking making from their grandfather and they just took over the company a few years ago and they wanted to experiment with this grape called del Shave. it's endangered because the soviets tore it all up during soviet times in georgia only one farmer in their village grows it they really wanted to support him and use it and do something with the grape but it's kind of they didn't know how it was going to turn out so they were scared to do it because their margin is you know so, so crappy then, yeah. when they're not sure if if anyone's going to buy it so we said up front we're going to buy all the grapes and then we're going to pay you to make the wine and it's good. And you can experiment and you can be scientists. And they were so excited about it. And, and if now it sucks,
1: we'll make vermouth.
2: And, <laughs> exactly. I even said, I will drink it. If nobody else, I am not fancy. I will drink it if nobody else will. It's beautiful. We, you know, made an environmental difference. We made an impact in a small farmer's life. And now the girls are putting money into growing those own grapes on their own farm. So we're actually oh, wow. going to keep reproducing these grapes that might have just gone extinct. So That's there's so cool. truly like, it's the most detailed background on every single one of these wines.
0: What's really unfortunate, Rose, is that you're not very
2: excited about this. No, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> Sorry guys, it's the end of the day. I had to keep you awake. I'm just oh, like <laughs> great. no,
0: this is great. This is awesome.
1: I find that pretty cool. You know, what I think it's cool. Your tips and tricks. Great. Let's do let's do a quick little um Well, tutorial trick. All right, let's do it. Okay spring is sprung here at Designated Drinker Show, for sure, right? We're, we're getting all happiness and feelings and everything. So, we're going to make a rose water syrup to use in your cocktails. And we're going to do it not just using the rose water that you buy in the grocery store, which you totally can. We're going to use um, a rose tea. It's a sweet rose tea, and we're going to put it into um, hot water. And you want it to be a little bit, like, around like 156, 160. So that is not a boiling temperature. And the reason why is because you just want that aromatic to hit. Now don't worry, you're going to strain this, right? So I'm just gonna put that in there and you see that it's turning brown. Just a little FYI, when you see roses, whether it's crushed roses in tea, rose buds that you got dried or whatever it is, it is not going to turn red. So if you're looking for that, you need to put food coloring in, okay? I'm Gonna add a little bit of sugar to that, so we all know that if you're doing any sort of simple syrup, it's a 50-50. When you put the two things in there after this is steeped for a good like 12 minutes, you'll dissolve your sugar, and this is enough for like two or three cocktails. You don't have to make a huge batch, but if you are gonna make a huge batch, you'll just go to designateddrinker.show and I will give you the recipe for batching this for a large garden party, if you will, for the spring. And what you're left with is this beautiful like ambery, rosy, I can't describe, like a uh, reddish color um, cocktail syrup, which is literally so beautiful. And I was gonna wipe well, you can see from the paper. It's kinda, it kind of has a red tint to it. So enjoy, embrace, and make flower cocktails in the spring. Cheers.
0: So, uh, Gina, that was amazing. Uh, you know, who doesn't like a little tea, a little rose, a little tea, a little yeah. sweet? Yeah.
1: Love it. Um, like my Honestly, from that part of the world, it's so amazing, right? They use like rose buds, rose tea, right? And rose tea, let's just be just be clear, is dried rose roses and mashed up, right? And like ground or sometimes whole, depending on what country you're in or where you are, mixed with some different herbs, and it's like steeping them. You know, and you, it's about the fragrance. It's not so much about the taste, but then adding sugar. You know, it makes a really beautiful cocktail syrup that you can use um in all different kinds of cocktails. Is it a particular
0: rose or is it multiple roses? Well, ice? this one is a
1: sweet is, is sweet rose blend. So they're like the smaller roses, right? So, you know, those ones that you see that grow in clusters and they're very, very fragrant. That's, really, that's the rose bud that they use. Nobody's using long stem roses to make rose tea, just so we clear. <laughs> These are, That's a good clarification. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're like if you like ever like see like those cluster of roses at people's houses that are like very, very small. Those are the ones and they pick them right at like budding. Yeah. Because they're the sweetest because the sugar spilling oh, into them. Yeah, they're harvested wow. like tea. They're actually treated like tea. Yeah. You know, they harvest it the way they taste it, taste it, taste it, and, taste it and then pull it. Awesome. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. If you ever want to have any fun, go to a tea farm once it's um or yeah, they call them farms. It's cool. And there are some in Maryland actually. Very small, but very, very cool. And like you can see how it's done. And like it's a, it's a labor of love.
2: Can I bring it full circle for one minute? You don't even you didn't even know this, but the women that I was telling you about um, come from western Georgia, where they have this crazy subclimate, like it's like subtropical kind of microclimate in Georgia. And part of the reason the grapes are endangered is because the Soviets ripped them out to grow tea so the majority of the tea that was made for the entire soviet union was grown in georgia they just decided like of all the countries they conquered, they're like okay ukraine you give us wheat for bread and georgia you give us tea and we'll just ship it all over this place so there is actually a really cool history of tea and wine in that part of the world do they still produce tea or is it like
1: a is it like a bad thing to like talk about it
2: no 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 they're good now they they are actually trying to recultivate some of the tea farms because they were so big that when the soviets left nobody there was no one knew what to do Not so enough, a lot yeah. of it went to waste but a lot of the same people that are trying to save the grapes are also trying to bring back the tea so no they're selling some actually um but it was just like i had no idea until i started traveling there so you also you could of course argue it in some of the wines that you're tasting you know tea aromas or flavors or smelling tea aromas So I feel you the like vermouth
1: this. coming on rose i'm sorry everything <laughs> you're saying to me is just screaming to me let's make a vermouth because like that is like i mean i don't even know I and feel you know like- what's
2: weird is i have not found one from that area yet, but you're right, it should be it should be coming.
1: I mean, if you're saying like you know teas and all that stuff is there, yeah, it's 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 prime for course, like a good. You're and right. then and then Georgian uh, brandy. I mean, you got. You got all the things. Yeah, You got all the things. You got all the things. And you know, the cha-cha, and the cha cha, the best name in the world I for mean, the Georgian brandy. I it's, mean,
2: it's got floral notes. It's all in there. I feel like we're
1: I feel like we're right at the point where um we now we are gonna go to your house.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have all of this in space. This I promise you. I have a but, lot of Georgian brandy. Okay, before
0: you leave to go to Rose's house, I need you to give me uh where we gotta do our housekeeping. Um you're gonna go to
1: designated Show to get the um tips, tricks, how to recipes, and you can follow us on Instagram at designated drinker and you can get to see my face making you some rose tea, uh, tea syrup. Absolutely, absolutely. And the other thing, um,
0: and if you go to designate drinker chat show, or if you just scroll down to our episode notes, we'll make sure we have links to get you to where, um, go their wines and find all the things that Rose is doing, um, so that you too can now.
1: Uh, That'll be 45 pages. Amazing. Yeah, I know.
0: It'll be like a whole its own website. No. a lot of <laughs> COVID anxiety guys is just channeled into <laughs> new projects. <laughs> but yeah, you can uh, by ordering the wine, like we said. you you can also support this, these amazing people around the world. Cool. Good cause. Good wine, good causes. Doesn't get better than that. All right. I think this, uh, I'm getting the the nod from Kim. I got it. Which I means, got it. don't worry. It's just the end of part one. There's more. With co-founder of Go There Wines, Rose Privet. But again, if you're anything like me or Gina, and I think Rose. Um, 100%. One round is just never enough. So uh, go top off that drink and get ready for part two of this episode as we continue our boozy banter. And Gina's going to uh, share her amazing rose-inspired cocktail. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a Latino-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, we craft human connections through intelligent, engaging and informative content also in the missing link lineup of podcast is roger that a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia led by skilled caregivers now if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater check out between acts an immersive audio theater podcast experience each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights from dramas to comedies and everything in between Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, please don't forget to follow, download, and review the shows. Your reviews help our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.